Chapter 11. Nottingham Castle So you know where Catmoo is now? Dipple asked. He's closeted himself in the spell book in a tower in Prince John's castle, Bernie said. Uh, you never told me how you got out of that castle. In a word, science, said Bernie. Naturally, but we were in a chamber in Catmoo's tower. Couldn't this wait? Will started. Lovely room, actually. Bernie pressed on. Aside from the damp stone walls and the bars on the window, they fed us well, too. I didn't try the wine. Marion, who apparently had tried it, grimaced. But it turned out to be quite useful. I added a bit of salt and poured the mixture on the window ledge. With a little help from a nail file, it ate right through the mortar holding the bars in place. I can only imagine what that stuff does to your stomach. You know I mostly drink ale. And that Egyptian physician... Don't start that again. You brought it up. Bernie went on to describe how, after removing the curtains from the tall, narrow window, she and Marion knotted the long cord that had been used to draw the curtains, the curtains themselves, and a couple of bed sheets into a long rope. They attached the rope to a leg of the bed before using their belts as makeshift carabiners to abseil down the side of the tower. Then, of course... We found ourselves at the top of a dirty great rock with no more rope to use for abseiling. Marion's petticoats came in handy at that point. About all those things are good for, Marion, now comfortably clad in breeches, murmured. Using the petticoats, belts, and as much of the rope as they could retrieve, Bernie had fashioned a crude parachute, allowing the pair to float safely to the ground. They set down between the castle and the town, where Marion found a farmer who let them ride in his haycart. After sneaking them through the town gate, he brought them all the way to the edge of the forest. Then Marion led us to Robin's camp. You really didn't need rescuing, did you? laughed Dipple when Bernie had finished. Of course I didn't. Uh, I imagine those chaps are looking for you, though. They've never yet found our camp, Robin assured him. At the rate this plan is taking shape, the friar suggested pleasantly, they will have searched the entire forest before we are ready. Well, obviously we can't get into the castle the way you got out, said Dipple. I could fly you up there, suggested the dragon. No need, said Robin. We already know a way in. I don't get it, said Pimple. If you chaps have a way in and out of the castle, why hadn't you managed to rescue Marion? Will you stop bringing that up? Will muttered. So, he said more loudly. We have a way in. What are we going to do when we get there? We need to lure the sorcerer out of the castle, said Ikaru, so he's not in the castle when we try to recover the spell book. Good idea, said Dipple. It may make it easier to capture him as well. Someone will need to stay and watch the lady, the scholar noted. At that point, everyone began talking at once, each insisting they be part of the action. All, that is, except Mousy who was undecided as to which task he'd like to do least, and the dragon mother, who was still too weak to move far. As they argued, the details of the plan began to take shape, though who would do what remained mostly undecided. May as well leave him. Little John jabbed a thumb toward Merlin, who had fallen asleep again. We need both wizards for the plan, Bernie sighed. Can't one of the other druids do it? asked Much. We'll need the dragon's magic to overcome the sorcerer, the scholar explained. But she's prevented by the pendant from wielding it herself. 
The wizards are the only ones who can link with her and channel her power. And I may be the only one who can uplift my spellbook, Dipple said. Are you sure he's the Merlin? Robin asked. Not exactly living up to his reputation, is he? Hmm, Dipple said. Then, ah. Ferreting about in his pockets, he produced a can of Scarlet Stag. Opening the tab, he poured the contents into five little bottles. Here, he said, shaking Merlin. Drink this. Sparkly, said Merlin, looking more alert almost immediately. One dose should keep you awake for a while. If you start to feel drowsy, drink another. I don't like this, Dipple, Bernie protested. You get even sillier after drinking that stuff, and he's not used to caffeine or sugar. Manic and silly are not the same thing. Besides, I've only given him small doses, and we have to keep him awake somehow. All the same, he said, noting that Merlin was starting to get a little twitchy. You two had better link minds before that dose really kicks in. The dragon eyed Merlin dubiously. Are you sure you can't remove this pendant? she asked Dipple. This would be so much easier if I could use my own magic. I've tried all the unlocking spells I can think of, Dipple said. The pendant will only respond to the lady's command. We'll have to convince her to release you once she wakes. Don't worry, he assured the frowning dragon. I have a plan. You still haven't told us that plan, Dipple. All in good time, my dear. Bernie opened her mouth to press Dipple for more details, but Merlin spoke up before she got the chance. Let's do this, he said, rubbing his hands together. Fine, said the dragon. Now that's power, said Merlin a moment later. Think calm thoughts, Dipple advised the dragon as Merlin began to race about the clearing. His mind is fuzzy, the dragon murmured, cluttered, nothing like yours. Bernie gave a snort. It's making me a little giddy. Uh, before you go, Dipple called, jogging over to where Will, having volunteered for the only part guaranteed not to involve a woman, solo mission that would set the plan in motion, was preparing to leave. Captain Magna Tueri, Dipple intoned, sweeping his hands over Will's body. Will shuddered. What did you do? Protection in case the sorcerer tries his charm on you. You will take her away from here once all this is done, won't you? Will muttered, throwing a saddle on his horse. Dipple nodded almost imperceptibly, glancing nervously at Bernie, who was frowning in their direction. The man sighed. Don't need her giving Marion any more ideas. Come to think of it, you couldn't take Marion too, could you? There's a reason we never managed to rescue her. Dipple shook his head sympathetically giving the young man a helpless look. He a magic, eh? He added loudly with another glance at Bernie. What was that for? Will asked, swinging himself up onto his horse. I've hidden the protection spell, so the sorcerer won't be able to detect it, Dipple explained. Will had long since vanished into the forest by the time it was agreed that the scholar, Mousie and Ikaru would stay with the dragon mother to watch the lady. Dipple and Robin would enter the castle to retrieve the spellbook. Sourface, Muscles, and the Dragon would go with Merlin to capture the sorcerer. Pimple, Much, Alan, and Little John would prepare an ambush to waylay any sheriff's men who might upset the plan. I'll come with your team, the princess told Little John. We don't need a girl slowing us down. 
The other merry men guffawed as much as breeches dropped to his ankles. She's quicker than you think, Dipple suggested, nodding to where the grinning princess stood, holding the cord much had been using as a belt. We'd better split up, said Bernie to Marion. Make sure they have some brains on two parts of the mission at least. Hey, the princess pouted. I beg you, my lady, stay here at camp, Robin entreated Marion. How many times is that? Pimple muttered to Alan. Give up already, Alan agreed quietly. I'll look after this wizard, Marion said, ignoring Robin and gesturing toward the wide-eyed Merlin doing jumping jacks nearby. We just got you, Robin tried again. I'll make sure he doesn't drink too much of the potion, Marion added, rescuing the remaining four bottles from Merlin's trembling grasp. Perhaps only half a bottle next time, Dipple suggested. Merlin's whole team are strangers to this place, Marion pointed out before Robin could object again. I can show the druids where to go. So they are, Robin said, knitting his brow. Um, Alan. Little John needs those men with him, Marion said. But the sheriff, Robin began. I'll take this wizard, Bernie interrupted, tugging Dipple's beard. Uh, aside from not wanting to put Bernie in any more danger. This task was going to be hard enough without her along making him nervous. Yes? Bernie demanded. Nothing, Dipple sighed. He turned to the scholar. You know the spell to keep the lady asleep? Et Dormovit. The scholar waved a hand in the lady's general direction. "Uh, You might want to be a tad more accurate with your aim, said Dipple, seeing Mousy, who had been keeping a nervous watch on the sleeping lady, droop into a doze. Keep an eye on those two, would you? Dipple said to Ikaru, before clambering after Bernie and Robin into the back of a covered wagon, filled with ale barrels and driven by the friar. Are you sure Merlin's up to this? Robin muttered to Dipple, glancing back as the wagon rumbled away from the clearing where Sourface and Muscles were attempting to lead a cartwheeling Merlin to join the princess, Marion, the dragon, Pimple, and the remaining three merry men, who were gathered ready to set out into the forest. I must say he's a bit of a disappointment. Now we've found a way to keep him awake. Awake? Bernie sniffed. I told you that stuff would make him hyper. I fear leaving my Marion. Shh, said Dipple, hearing Will's voice coming to them via Ladybug. First she took over our camp, now she's brought in some wizard. I've had enough. If you agree not to attempt to capture the merry men, I'll lead you to where you can arrest the woman and her wizard. And the maid, Marion? a voice asked. The sheriff, Robin whispered. She was my guest and this woman kidnapped her. I would see her safe. Safely married to him, Robin muttered, locked in that castle forever. The lady gets to choose, Will grated. Of course, this may all be a trick, a greasy voice mused. The sorcerer. Dipple told Robin. The wizard's plans? Katmu began silkily. I haven't let that weaselly wizard anywhere near me, Will declared, let alone find out his plans. Weaselly, eh? He doesn't mean it, Dipple. I detect no magic on him, Katmu said thoughtfully. And yet... My lord, he continued, I know this wizard. He is dangerous. We must capture him. And we're just meant to let the rest of the outlaws go free? The sheriff demanded. 
You have magic. Can't you make this rogue help us capture the lot of them? He can't, can he? Robin asked, worried. Dipple shook his head. Listen, he said. I must save my magic to face the wizard, Katmu said. Surely a small charm. Enough, Katmu snapped. Getting a bit testy, isn't he? said Bernie. His magic's a tad weaker than he's used to, Dipple explained. His charm spell just failed to work on Will, and if it were working properly on the sheriff, he wouldn't be questioning him like that. The important thing is to capture the wizard, Katmu suggested in his oiliest voice. We will secure the outlaw's camp later. The outlaws can wait, the sheriff intoned. Can we get going? Will demanded. The sooner we get that woman out of our camp, the better. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mean that either. Oh, and I'm only taking the two of you and two men. That should be enough to handle one woman and a wizard. Not having you turn around and try to capture the rest of us. Ale for the king's arms, the friar announced loudly. Dipple, Bernie and Robin crouched behind the barrels as the wagon rolled to a stop. The curtain at the back of the wagon lifted and a guard's face peered in. The guard began tapping barrels to ensure they were all full. He was about to climb up into the wagon when the friar appeared at his elbow. This one's for the guards, he announced. Give me a hand with it, will you? With a thud, the two men lowered the barrel to the ground. The guard bent and vanished from Dipple's view, the sight replaced by the sound of the barrel being rolled away over cobbles. Dropping the curtain, the friar disappeared too. Drive on, a guard called after a moment, and the wagon was soon moving again. Sounds of hawkers crying their wares, blacksmiths' hammers, children's laughter and animal calls all blended into the cheerful bustle of a busy town, accompanying them as the friar drove through Nottingham. Gradually the noise died away as they headed out into the open country between the town and the large upthrust of rock upon which the castle sat. A short time later, the wagon drew to a halt once more. Everybody out, the friar said, lifting the curtain again. Dipple, Bernie and Robin scrambled out. You jumped off there using a petticoat as a parachute? Dipple gazed up at the cliff face towering above them. The friar began hauling barrels out of the wagon, removing their bungs, allowing the water inside to spill on the ground. Uh, there was ale in the one you gave the guards, Dipple asked. Waste of good ale, the friar grumbled. Couldn't risk using water. Won't take them long to sample that barrel. Need them to let me back out the town gate. The tunnel's this way, said Robin, leading Dipple and Bernie to one of many caves riddling the rock face. A bit tight to begin with, but it opens up inside. We're on our way, muttered Will, his voice barely audible above the sound of hooves clattering over cobblestones. We're in position, Marion announced, by the giant oak as planned. I don't suppose you'd consider returning to camp, Robin suggested. Now you've led them. My team is set too. Little John cut in. Follow me, Robin sighed, dropping to his belly to wriggle into the hole. Robin led Bernie and Dipple through a series of tunnels and caves heading ever upwards until at last they found themselves at a narrow opening in a dark corner at the back of an unused storeroom. They made their way across the empty chamber to a solid oak door. Nearly back to the town gate, the friar remarked. Let's hope Will got the message to our friends in the castle. Robin said, putting a hand on the door. Uh, I can... Of course I did, 
Will muttered, turning the words into a cough for the benefit of his companions. You'd better not be leading us on a goose chase, the sheriff's voice growled via Will's ladybug. It's unbolted. Robin pushed the door open a crack. All clear, he whispered after a moment. Will's headed your way, Marion, Alan announced quietly. He's just gone past with the sheriff, the sorcerer, and a couple of guards. Disguises, Bernie prompted. Dissimulo. Dipple waved his hand over Bernie, Robin, and himself. Not again, Robin grumbled, finding himself dressed as a serving maid. Props. Reaching into a pocket, Dipple handed Robin a silver platter complete with pitcher and goblets. Dipple, Bernie growled upon discovering the dust cloth he had passed her was in fact a set of grubby underwear. They're clean, Dipple assured her. Clean? Uh, unworn. Let's go, he added briskly, brandishing a broom. Bernie and Dibble followed Robin down a narrow passage lit only by light filtering in from a larger corridor at its far end. The sheriff is nothing if not predictable, Much announced a few minutes later. He has twenty men following them, Pimple added. I heard they let a couple of girls escape, little John roared suddenly, followed by a clatter of swords. No way they'll catch us then, Much mocked. Bet they can't catch this girl either, the princess chimed in. Alan began to sing. Oh, the sheriff had a score of men, he sent them to the wood. But twenty men ain't near enough to capture Robin Hood. Catch us if you can, little John bellowed. The merry men, Pimple and the princess continued to taunt the soldiers as they led them off on a merry chase through the woods. This is not the wizard I expected. Katmu's voice cut through the frivolity. The maid is here at least, said the sheriff. But where is the woman? Am I not a woman? Marion asked. As I suspected, said Katmu. A diversion. No matter, I have left a nice surprise for anyone who tries to enter my tower. Good to know, Dipple muttered. Where is the outlaw's camp? The sheriff continued. Are you going to do something, wizard? The dragon asked. Um, I couldn't get more of that potion first, could I? Merlin begged. No, said Marion firmly. We just got you calmed down. I wouldn't give the sorcerer any more time to do any magic of his own, Dipple advised. I knew it was a bad idea relying on that wizard, said Robin. If anything happens to Marion... That's the tower we were in, Bernie said, pointing across a cobbled courtyard. While listening to their friends, Dipple, Bernie and Robin had made their way through the lower levels of the main castle to an outer doorway facing the cliffwood side of the castle compound. Drat, there's a guard on the door. Come, said Robin, mimicking the meek gait of a serving maid in a way that suggested he had indeed done this before. He led the way across the yard. We've been sent to clean the Lord's Tower while he's away, he told the guard in his sweetest voice. I have orders to allow no one inside, the guard replied. Maids ain't no one, sir, Robin suggested. True enough, the guard agreed, letting them pass. Robin led the way up a narrow staircase that wound its way up inside the outer wall of the tower. The wedge-shaped steps were damp and slippery, and there was barely space for a single person to pass between the walls. Narrow windows set too far apart to be helpful provided the only light. That's the room we were in. Bernie announced as they passed a solid door about halfway up, leading into the centre of the tower. 
At last they came to a door at the very top of the stairs, adorned with a ring-shaped iron handle and a keyhole. Don't! Dipple cried as Robin reached for the opener, but it was already too late. A golden mesh dropped over them from above, binding them in place. Great! muttered Bernie, who was far enough behind Dipple to have not been caught. Clever, Dipple said. This mesh prevents me using magic. Science it is, then, Bernie smirked. All yours, my dear. Just as well you brought me along, eh? Indeed. Did you have something in mind, or were you just planning to talk us free? Well, it looks like the mesh is not actually attached to the ground, Bernie said coolly. So you should be able to walk. Uh, where exactly do you suggest we walk to? We need more space, Bernie growled. Can you still reach the door, Robin? It's locked, said Robin. Let me past, Bernie ordered. Careful, my dear. The mesh cage slid on the slippery stones as Dipple and Robin pressed against the wall trying to give Bernie enough space to squeeze by on the narrow side of the steps. I have a hairpin in here somewhere, she muttered a moment later, rifling in her backpack. If you're going to do something, do it fast, gasped Robin, as his and Dipple's weight listed dangerously in a downstairs direction. Here it is. Bernie began tinkering with the keyhole. Try leaning upwards, old chap, Dipple suggested, jostling Robin as he shifted his own weight. Suddenly the door popped open. Bernie fell forward into the chamber, Robin and Dipple tumbling after her in a clatter of goblets. Catmoo's pretty confident in his magic, eh? Dipple commented from the top of the pile, a tray balanced on his head. No magic on the lock. Will you get off me? Bernie said crossly. Good idea, Robin gasped. I have a broomstick stuck in my... Robin and Dipple, still entangled in the mesh, managed to roll sideways off Bernie and scrambled to their feet. What now? asked Dipple. Well, it's pretty technical, but I'll try to explain it to you. Basically, I'm going to lift the edge of the mesh, which is not anchored to anything, and roll it upwards until there is room for you two idiots to crawl out from under it. Genius, Dipple said wryly, stepping free of the snare. Don't touch anything else, he warned Robin, who was eyeing various gold items scattered about the room. We could melt these down. We're here for the spell book, said Bernie firmly. Nothing more. Book's here, Robin grunted, trying to lift the book from the table where it lay. Heavier than it looks, he huffed. Catmoo's likely put a spell on it, said Dipple, coming to Robin's side and lifting the book easily. This is why I had to be here, he explained. The book is bonded to me, and no spell can prevent me removing it. We have another problem, said Bernie. I can't get this door back open. Well, that explains why he didn't stop us getting in, Dipple said, coming to her side. Nasty little spell. Quicker to call a taxi than try to undo it. A what? Robin asked. As long as there's no spell on the window. Nope. Right. Dragon, Dipple thought. We could use your help getting out of here. On my way, the dragon thought gasped. What's all the ruckus at your end? Had a bit of trouble with the sorcerer. Trouble? What trouble? Robin asked. Marion? I'm fine, said Marion contritely. It's that blasted Merlin, isn't it? 
Bernie groaned. I knew the Scarlet Stag was a bad idea. It was not Merlin's fault, Sourface insisted. Someone let the sorcerer get his hands on a bottle of Merlin's medicine, Will explained. Must have thought it would give him added power or something, added Muscles. Merlin cast the spell, said Dipple. I heard him. Yes, but the sorcerer had already climbed a tree, Sourface explained. The dragons had a devil of a job getting him down from there, said Marion. The magic tape was all tangled in the branches, Muscles added. Uh, the sorcerer is still tied up in the red tape, Dipple asked. Yes. Good. No amount of magic will free him from that stuff. Where's the sheriff? asked Robin. We have him and his men tied to a tree, said Will. Right, and Merlin? Asleep again. Thank goodness, said the dragon. It was like having a tiny tornado at the back of my head. The potion finally wore off, Marion continued, and since he'd done his job... I'm nearly there, the dragon announced. Ah, good. Dipple brandished the Roman candle he'd just retrieved from a pocket. Ferro et castelli et igni, he said, taking it to the window and letting it go. The firework drifted to the top of the main castle building, where it started firing red and green balls into the sky. Shouts erupted throughout the castle grounds. That should keep them distracted for a while, said Dipple. We'd better hurry, said Bernie. Those things only go for a few minutes. I've had a bit of a tinker with this one, Dipple assured her. How we haven't been blown up with all your tinkering, Bernie muttered as the red and green balls grew larger, the accompanying booms increasing in intensity. All aboard, the dragon called, poking her tail through the window. Ladies first, Robin bowed to Bernie, who began to shimmy up the dragon's tail onto her back. Coming, old chap, Dipple called, setting himself in the spellbook behind Bernie. Um, Robin was still standing at the window. Never flown before, eh? I will not let you fall, the dragon assured him. Get your butt on this dragon before they start shooting at us, yelled Bernie. Robin had barely got his arms around Dipple's waist when... Intruders! A guard yelled from the battlement that ran along the top of the rock face between Katmu's tower and another tower set at the opposite corner. Go! Dipple yelled seconds before arrows began swishing through the air around them. The arrows clattered against the dragon's scales, falling harmlessly to the ground. Her passengers, however, were a tad more vulnerable. An arrow entangled itself in Dipple's beard, another scratching Bernie's cheek before he could react. Contago! he muttered. I've shielded us, he gasped after an arrow stopped a hair's breadth from Robin's leg. Sorry. Robin relaxed his grip around Dipple's middle enough for him to take a breath. I'll fly back the way I came, high over the open countryside in the town so as not to be spotted, the dragon said. It may get a little cold. Good idea. Dipple began another search of his pockets. I'd be grateful if you could stop wriggling, wizard, Robin groaned. What are you doing, Dipple? Ah, here we are. Dipple snapped his fingers and a clear plastic mask dangled in the air in front of each of them. Put those on if you start feeling a little breathless. The air gets thinner as you get up higher. The stretchy bit goes behind your head like this. Surely you don't have an oxygen tank in there, said Bernie. No need. These are my auto-aspiration aids. You might need this, too. 
He passed a brown paper bag to Robin, whose face was turning an interesting shade of green, in case you need to empty your stomach. Wouldn't it have been simpler to just make us invisible? Bernie asked. Ah. The castle and the arrows fell away, the shouts fading to silence as they drifted up into the clouds, where the dragon turned and headed for the forest. Thanks for listening to this chapter of The Adventures of Dipple. If you're enjoying the story, you can support Josie by following one of the links in the podcast description.